I, uh, I just want to, I'm going to continue on the, the series that I've been on as we are destroying the spirit of rejection. And uh, last week I preached up at Open Gate in Muncie or Gaston, and uh, the, I, I did share a message concerning rejection. Uh, I've actually shared it twice at two different churches, and um, the Lord is uh, moving on the message. And uh, I had someone call me uh, this past week, and I'm going to be sharing it on 88.1 um, on next Tuesday, on the next two Tuesdays, uh, uh, the message concerning rejection. So I feel like the Lord's really trying to do something in our midst in dis- destroying a spirit of rejection. Can I have an amen on that? And so uh, next Tuesday and the following Tuesday, just before Christmas, it's going to be aired on 88.1, and I just uh, pray that you would uh, pray that that message would go out, and uh, how many are continuing to fight and get freedom? I'll have to let you know on time. I will send that. I think it's 4 o'clock. I can't remember, but it'll be live on Tuesday, and then it's on Thursday and Saturday as well, but it's basically taped. So, but uh, I will send out an email on that. But uh, how many are continuing to contend to destroy a spirit of rejection on their life? Have you seen that spirit continuing to want to operate and manifest itself in you? Um, We're going to continue to um, bring judgment to that monster and, um, and bring it down. And today I'm going to go into... Um, I really have been enjoying the life of David. I've been studying the life of David over the last uh, couple weeks. And David was pursued ravishly by a spirit of rejection. Do you guys realize that? And we're going to talk a little bit about David today because as we've went through this series uh, on the spirit of rejection, we went through, and it's even in your, in your bulletin day, the four doors that give that spirit of rejection a legal right uh, and we have prayed corporately, we've come against it, we've renounced it, we've repented, we've, uh, we've asked for forgiveness, there's a lot of things that we've done, we've broken generational curses concerning it, but now we've got to start replacing, as we remove that spirit from our life, we've got to start replacing it with what God says and what he wants. Can I have an amen on that? And so I'm going to use David's life today. I don't know how far we're going to get with David. Um, some of what I'm going to show here on the PowerPoint is, is um, there's a reason why I want to show it, because I want to show how this spirit truly pursued David in his life. And uh, David did not have a perfect, he had dysfunctional family like just like we did. Anybody have a dysfunctional family as they were growing up? Maybe some rejection got in you at a young age. Uh, through moms, dads, and siblings, and all kinds of things. But how we respond to rejection is really, really critical. And I'm going to go over uh, just briefly. Boy, you can almost see it all. In the red that we have, we're looking at the timeline of David's, King David's life. And in the red is the times when David was actually rejected on many times. And uh, we're only going to touch on a little bit. But David lived 70 years. He died at the age of 70. He was born in 1034. In 1019, when he was anointed king, of, king by Samuel at the age of 15. Are there any 15-year-olds left in the sanctuary? Could you please stand up? You, matter of fact, look a lot like David. He was a redhead. 
This is awesome. He was 15 years old. Look at this guy. 15 years old. The Bible said he was ruddy, which means red hair, and he was handsome. You are one good-looking dude. I mean, I'm going to use you as the example today, all right? But we got a 15-year-old right here in our midst. What's your name? Huh? Robert. Robert is going to be David for us today. You can sit down. All right. Good job, Robert. Robert is 15 years old. This is the age of David when he was actually anointed king, king by Samuel in 1 Samuel 16. And in that same year, which is 1019, and give, me, give or take, you know, there's a little discrepancy whether it's 1019 or 1023, but for, for sake of understanding the timeline of David, David, that same year that he was anointed king by Samuel, he did not become king, okay? He was just anointed by the prophet Samuel at 15 that he was going to take over the kingship after Saul, and he's 15 years old. But he's also 15 years old when he kills Goliath over here. He kills Goliath at 15 he is rejected by his brothers, and we're going to get into that. I just want to give a real quick timeline to David. David becomes armor bearer for the king Saul in 1015. David becomes king of Judah at age 24 in 1010. Saul also makes David leader of thousands. David in 1008, or 1008, David married Saul's daughter, Michael. And so we, we're just getting a timeline. David is rejected by Saul and flees for his life at the age of 27. David is also rejected by his wife and as he dances in the street about 997. Over here on this side, Saul dies at 72 and his son Jonathan at 57. David becomes king of all Israel at the age of 30, 15 years after he was anointed. Everybody say 15 years. 15 years after he was actually anointed by Samuel, there is a process to David's life. And a lot of rejection took place. And these are just some other things. He was 37-ish, 37 to 40, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Do you guys realize that? He was not a young pup. David is confronted by Nathan, and David's son dies that he has with Bathsheba in 96 and David rejected by his son Absalom in 93, and then David dies around 964 B.C. Everybody say B.C. Because they're changing that in our schools to before common era instead of before Christ. B.C. Everybody say B.C. Before Christ, not before common era. Okay? So kids in school, it's not before common era. It is before Christ. 964 years before Christ ever came on the scene is when David died, okay? And it is 1,034 years before Christ that David was born, okay? And we want to continue as the body of Christ declaring before Christ, amen? And after his death, A.D., amen. So this is just a real quick summary, and this is kind of what I, I drew up just to give us a, a little idea of the timeline of David's life, because I'm going to get into this, into why, why rejection was pursuing him, and, and, and maybe some history, and merely even some assumptions that I'm going to make. I'm going to be, get a little creative today, and really what I think was going on, and I hope that uh, the Lord will bless us. I'm going to show you also a thing of David's life. This is his family tree. David and Bathsheba, this is the heritage that goes all the way from Christ 
This is David and Bathsheba, the lintage, even though he committed adultery with her. God still, David and Bathsheba, through that heritage, brought Christ, the Messiah. We're going to see that God makes old things new. We're going to see even through his heritage, God makes old things new. He takes corrupt men and he, he, he blows us away and brings the glory of God through corrupt men and women. But at any rate, this is, who, I don't know if you know who Salmon was, but he was a leader in Israel. He was possibly even one of the spies, but he's the great, great grandfather of David. And looky over here who his great-great-grandmother is. Rahab, the prostitute from Jericho, who hid out the spies. Out of a prostitute comes the glory of God. It is making old things all new. Can I have an amen on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have the kinsman redeemer, Boaz, the great-grandfather of David, and Ruth. The widow who was living with Naomi, she is the great-grandmother of David. What a powerful story if you read in Ruth and how uh, Boaz redeemed her because she had lost her husband and he redeemed her back. And they had Obed, and Obed is the grandfather of David. And his wife is not named. I have no idea what her grandmother, I researched and tried to find. There is no record record in the, what I found in the genealogy of his, his grandmother's name. And even Jesse, which is the son or is the father of David, we don't know the name of his mother, David. And then we have David and Bathsheba. And you're going to see, I'm going to come back to this a little bit. You're going to say, oh, I see where you're going with this maybe. But it's, I really want to encourage you guys, do this kind of study. It is fun. It is fun looking at the lives of the people in the Word of God and look at their hearts. We're going to learn a lot about David today, and we're going to use David as an example of how he resisted a spirit of rejection and the things that he did, and they're going to line up really with what we've already taught the last three or four weeks concerning a spirit of rejection. So now, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel 16, and we're going to read 1 through 13 here, and we're going to start to look at how a spirit of rejection pursued David and how David responded and what David did. So we're going to go here in 1 Samuel, and we're going to look at that first incident when David is 15 years old and he is anointed. As king. Okay, the Lord said to Samuel, You guys with me? The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Saul was doing some stupid things since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse, which is the, son, the father of David, of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. So Samuel did what the Lord said. How many love it when people obey God? (laughs) Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled. When they met him, they asked, do you come in peace? Now, Old Testament prophets 
brought judgment and correction and all kinds of things. And Samuel replied, yes, in peace I come. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourself. So he's speaking to Jesse's family. He's speaking to Jesse, and he's telling Jesse, the father of David, consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse. So Samuel is now so they consecrated themselves, clean, we'll talk about what that is, and now Jesse is being consecrated by Samuel. Then Samuel consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Everybody say sons. sons. He consecrated who? Sons. Their son, his sons. Okay. So when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. Now Eliab was the firstborn of Jesse's sons. And, the, and, and Samuel, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God, and he will what? Direct your path. It seemed reasonable that Eliab was the right one, and surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me, or before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, no, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Now there's a spirit of rejection. <laughs> I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Let's repeat that together. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadad, and he had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass by Samuel the prophet, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, man, Jesse, what is the, do? What is the deal? Are these all the sons that you have? Oh, uh, Jesse said, no, they're still the youngest. Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Rejection. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance. Robert, 15 years of age, buff, redheaded. Handsome. They tell me they call that ginger these days. Is that right? You are a handsome ginger man. All right. <laughs> Please come back, Robert. <laughs> he was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, oh, rise and anoint him. He is the one. Mm. So Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed him. He poured the oil over David anointed him in the presence of his brothers, in the presence of his brothers, in the presence of his dad. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in what? Power. Power. Samuel then went to Ramah, or Ramah, however you say that. That's 1 Samuel 16. Powerful, powerful stand. Now, I want to regroup this thing, and I want to take a look at this. Now, I want to rebuild this story a little bit and take us through... How would you have felt being the youngest son of Jesse and you weren't invited to the party? Come on, tell me. How would you have felt? Now, 
angry, rejected, all kinds of things would have went through. Now, I want to pick, paint the picture. What was this feast? What was this sacrifice? This wasn't just, uh, you know, a little thing. This is major. They're, they're, they're going to be sacrificing a heifer before the Lord. They would have to change their clothes. They would have to wash with pure water. And they would have to prepare themselves with meditation and prayer before they ever came before Samuel the prophet, before the sacrifice would even take place. And then once they got there, then Samuel would then once again, he would consecrate them as the prophet before them before they even sacrificed and prepared their hearts for the sacrifice that was going to be made. And you're not invited. That's like coming to the church Christmas party Saturday and you've not been invited. How would you feel? <laughs> Everyone is invited to the church Christmas party. There will be people there I don't know. <laughs> and they're invited. <laughs> the father of David, Jesse, had not even thought David important enough to invite him to the feast. Why? Why? A little kid. You know, I think there's even more going on. Have you ever heard the term redheaded stepchild? Why is the mother of Jesse not mentioned? I don't know. I don't want to read more into the word, but there's a reason. There was something going on in the family. Why? And we're going to see even later as we go into the scriptures, there was something going on why David was not invited to the feast. I think rejection had already started. His brothers were older. They had already set apart. Maybe it was a, I don't know. We're not even going to, I don't want to even go there because we don't know. But all I'm saying is there was some dysfunction if Jesse didn't invite his youngest son when the prophet had already told him to bring his whole family. Something was going on. There was some deep rejection. There was some deep dysfunction in the family. And I know what family gatherings are like on Thanksgiving and Christmas. There's all kinds of rejection in this one's. There's partialities. There's all kinds of things that go on in families that are dysfunctional. I mean, look in America. Look in your family for just a few moments, won't you? <laughs> you got any red-headed stepchildren in your family? <laughs> But what would you have felt like? Now I want to paint the picture a little more now. Let's imagine we're at Christmas time now, and we're going to have a Christmas party here. The family's coming to Eric Haler's house, my personal family. And I invite all my children, I might, except I don't invite Joel. <laughs> we'll leave him up in college. But we're having a Christmas party, okay? We got the Christmas party going on now, and... Denny Kramer, the prophet, just happens to be coming to my house. And Joel knows he's in college and he's not been invited, we'll say. And we're having filet mignon and we're having some cocktail shrimp and we're having a party. And Joel knows, and Joel's been prophesied over by that man, that Denny Kramer's in town and he knows, man, there's probably going to be some prophesying going on at that party. I'm making fun. But what would Joel feel? 
What would you feel if you weren't invited to the party? Yeah, rejection. I mean, really think about what you're going to be feeling. But how did David respond? Let's just imagine, matter of fact, that even if Joel was up at Holland, Michigan, let's just say he's actually pumping gas for me at the family, rest, or at the family gas station. And then I send, once I find out, Denny Kramer says, oh, no, you need to have another son here. Who is he? Oh, that's just my, that's just my other son. He's up at Hope College. We'll, we'll bring him in. Yeah. Just imagine. Okay. Now, we talk about how we would respond if a spirit of rejection was on us and it's trying to seduce us. Now, you've not been in fire of the party. Sean said I'd get angry. What else would you start to feel? Unloved, unvalued. Come on, what are the emotions? Very hurt. Anything else? I want you to feel it. Angry. I'd want to give in even vindictiveness. I want revenge. Would you go to the party if daddy sent a coworker to come get you? What would you now do? Jesse sends a coworker. Would you go get my son and tell him to come to the party? What would you do? I'm not going. What else would you do? You go tell dad he can have his party. If I wasn't important enough to get invited the first time, don't worry about having him come and get me now. Is that not how we, sp we respond to a spirit of rejection? Is that not what we see in our culture? But what does David do? He doesn't say a word. The Bible doesn't say anything other than that David left and went to the feast. It doesn't record his attitude. It doesn't record anything. I'm telling you, I know most people when a spirit of rejection is moving on them, they ain't coming to the party. I'll show you. I'll punish you back. No matter of fact, what I'll do is I'll reject you because you rejected me. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll withdraw my love from you, and I won't come. I ain't playing your game. I'm not a part of the, the clan. That's not what David did. David went and there was something different in David at the age of 15 that was different. He didn't buy into the rejection. He didn't allow it to seduce him. He didn't buy the lie that I'm not part. I don't belong. I'm not valuable. And he goes to the sacrifice immediately. And they wait on him. <laughs> He does not have time to consecrate himself. He just goes. Now, apparently there was some discord in David's family, right? We talked about that. Now, I want to go and I want to look at 1 Samuel 17 now, and I want to show you that just a little time after David was anointed as king, we now have the Goliath story. And David's brothers are getting ready to fight Goliath out on the field. 
And we're going to look at number two on rejection. Because rejection is testing David. It's pursuing him just like it pursues you. Are you with me? 1 Samuel 17. Here we have it in the same situation. When Eliab, which one was Eliab? He was the oldest son. He was David's oldest brother. Oh, right there it is, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how good the Bible is. <laughs> when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come here, David? And with who did you leave those few sheep in the desert? What does few mean? Insignificant. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is, David. And you came down only to watch the battle. <laughs> and how does David respond with a question? What are you going to do? Now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? And he was getting nowhere with his brothers. So he then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter and the men answered him as before, that if you kill the giant Goliath, you will get the inheritance of King Saul. You'll get his daughter. You'll get all these great things. And so what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Now, a spirit of rejection was pursuing David, and what were the lies that the brothers were speaking? What did I talk about? I'm going to back this up again. What did I talk about in my first message when we're talking about coming against a spirit of rejection and how lies give a spirit of rejection legal right and access to you? If you buy the lie and you take it in, it has you. It has legal right to you. But when we bring the truth in, the truth doesn't give rejection a right to you. So we have to, as Christians, discern the lies. So what lies were coming from the brothers? Why have you come down here, David? What is the lie? It, he, they're attacking his motives. Your motives, David, are bad. Your purpose, David, in coming here, you're just an errand boy. You're just to be with the sheep. But David knew he was a warrior. David knew who he was at 15 years. Stand up, Robert. 15 years of age. You can know the destiny of God, teenagers. You can know the purpose of God for your life, and you don't have to back down. you got to know who you are and what God has put in you. Robert, man of God, David. Why have you come down here? The, the guys attacked the motives of David's heart. And that's what the enemy tries to do you. You purpose, oh, you're just wanting to be in the ministry because of this, because this, and this, and this. The lies. Who have you left those few sheep? The lie was attacking his value. You are nothing, David. You'll never amount to anything. You're just to be watching a few sheep. He was belittling him. Do you see it? David didn't buy the belittlement. Praise the Lord. They were attempting to belittle and undervalue David. Let's look at a couple more lies. I know how conceited and full of yourself you are. The lie, David, you are prideful. Your motives are about you. The truth, he was confident in God. Everybody say, confident in God. It wasn't that he was conceited. David knew who he was. 
And David knew who God was. He had confidence. How wicked your heart is, the lie. Attacking again his motives and his purpose. You came to watch the battle. Attacking David's purpose. David knew, again, he was a warrior. He was, a, he was to be in battle. He was going to be king. He knew who he was. Now, big point number one. Everybody want to remember this. Big honker point number one. Write this down. To follow David's example when rejection is pursuing you, you must know the character of God. Everybody say that with me. I must know the character of God. Now, I want to look in a couple verses here. We're going to get to this. In 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37, I didn't write that down. I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. 17, 34. I'll read it. Ooh, 17, 30. Oh, you're good. Everybody think Elizabeth. Oh, that's the wrong one. Yeah, that's not the wrong. Do you, can you get me uh, 1 Samuel 17, 28? 1728, Elizabeth? If not, I'll read it. I really thought that was supposed to be in my PowerPoint, and I forgot it. No, that's not what I want. It's verses 34 and 37. I am so sorry. 1 Samuel 17, 34. Let's look at this. I got it right here. Whew, man. Eric, why do you not wear your glasses? God have mercy. Redeem those eyes. Redeem all of our eyes, right? Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you. Is that it? 34 and through 37 is what we'll go, Elizabeth. Thank you. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 7. I can read those letters. Anybody else can read those? I like that. I'm going to have to get a big print Bible or my eyes redeemed. I'd like to have the eyes redeemed. Amen. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, look what he did. I seized it by its hair and struck it. And killed it. Yes, Lord. <laughs> New covenant fire drill. I struck it and I killed it. But look what he says. Next one. 36 and 37. I struck and killed it. Bit. This is so my fault because I forgot to put it in the PowerPoint. I can't believe it. All right. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. One more. 37. The Lord. Everybody say, the Lord who delivered me. From the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. What 15-year-old knows 
God like that. David knows the character of God. He had experienced before he was 15 years old the power of God coming over him and on him to where he literally destroyed a lion and a bear. Now, I don't know too many. Hey, Robert, have you handled any bear and lion lately? No, I don't think so. I would agree with you, brother. He knows the character of God. He know, this morning in worship, God was setting the stage up already for us to know his character. As they began to prophetically sing about God being happy and smiling, that's one attribute of God. It's not the only attribute of God. It is an attribute of God. It is part of his character. But David knows the character of God. He knows the Lord is with him. He knows God is his deliverer. He knows the purpose of God for his life, and he is confident in his identity. How do we get what David had? How do we get that kind of confidence? How do we get that to know the character of God as Christians? Because Christians do not know the character of God. And rejection eats us alive because we don't know God's character. Rejection eats us because we don't know the character of God. All of a sudden, I'm the one holding you back. If you know the character of God, you know I can't hold you back. If you think I'm being critical of you, for example, you're seeing God as a critical God, and God is not critical. And so when you see God as critical, you see everybody else as, man, they are screwed up and they need help. Because you see what they're not doing right instead of who God really has made them. And so you see, because you see God as being critical and judgmental, you then are very critical and judgmental because you think that's the image of God. You think that's the character of God. And God wants to change the way you see God so that you can experience God for who he really is. David knew God, and how did he get it? At 15. Does anybody want to know? Does anybody want to know the character of God? Because it's a mystery. It's only for those who really want to go find it. If you're going to rely on me to give you the character of God, you'll never understand the character of God because that's milk. That's revelation I've already digested. You've got to digest revelation yourself. Colossians 3, 9, and 10, I read it earlier. Do not lie to your, each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is what? The new self, the David, the new self was being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. If you want to know who you are and have confidence in God, you've got to know who he is. You know, it's not knowing about God, it's knowing God. Everybody loves Justin Bieber, the teenagers. Oh, Justin Bieber this, Justin Bieber that. They know all about Justin Bieber, but they don't know Justin Bieber. They've never met him. They know about him. What's one of his songs? Huh? Baby, 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 oh, baby, baby, you know. But they don't know him. 
Job said, Job, when he went through his trial, he said, I had heard of the Lord, but now my eyes have seen. I've got a revelation of who he is now. David at 15 had a revelation of who God was. Can anybody say hallelujah? Mm, I want that revelation of who God is. Because that's going to give you what keeps me. That's going to be what secures my identity and has me spit all over this conference here. It's when I know who he is. I'm being renewed. Everybody say renewed. What am I being renewed to? It's to his image. I'm being renewed to him. Not renewing him to me. We try to make God like us. Instead of I am supposed to be conformed to what? The image. The image of God. The image of your creator. And because we don't have a revelation of who he is, we get sucked into rejection all the time. We don't know our identity. We don't know where we're going. And we don't trust God will get us there. Because we don't know his image. We don't even know what we're supposed to. An image comes from the root word imagination. What is the imagination? What is God in his character, in his nature? This is good stuff, guys. Mm, if I must say so myself, I've got to get an image in my heart, in my mind of what he looks like, what he acts like, what he smells like, what he does, what he does not do, and I've got to become it. Thus saith the Lord. So true identity is found in revelation. Everybody say revelation. You do not get revelation coming to church once a week or once a month. (laughs) I'm going to preach myself happy. True identity. Man, you're not going to get David off of who he was. David knew who he was, his identity, because he had an idea of his image. Everybody say his image. What is revelation? Revelation. It's when the light bulb comes on. Knowledge are words on a page. It transcends the knowledge, and it has to be revelation of the image of your creator. Colossians, it says 3, 9 and 10 again. You, don't lie to yourself any longer by putting on the old man, but the new man is being renewed in the knowledge. The revelation knowledge is what that word means. The revelation, the rhema word of God of the, of the image of your creator. That's how you're going to change. That's how you're going to, as you put that in, rejection has no right to you. I've dealt with the lies. I've, 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 had, I've, I've gotten rid of unforgiveness. I've repented, I've broken generational curse, and now I'm filling myself with the revelation knowledge of who God, or my creator is, and it pushes, I'm cleaning my house now. I'm cleaning that which I've kicked out, I'm now putting in the presence of God. I'm putting in who he is and the revelation of who he is. Now, how do we get there? Anybody want to get there? Now, this is what image is in the dictionary. It is a physical likeness or representation of a person, an animal or thing, photographed, painted, sculpted, or otherwise made visible. The physical likeness of God, the physical representation of God, 
It's getting an image of who he is, an optical counterpart or appearance of an object as is produced by a reflection from a mirror, a mental rep- representation, idea, or concept. And then the first four I like the best, form, appearance, semblance. We are all created in what? Say, I'm created in God's image. I'm created in God's image. Are you reflecting that image? Oh, shut up, Eric. When a spirit of rejection is consuming you, you are reflecting the image of Satan. When a spirit of rejection is on you, remember the ugly ogre that I showed the picture of? You are reflecting that image. You're ugly. We are created in the image of God. Now look at this. What image do you have of God? If we're going to reflect his image, if we're going to have the spirit of adoption and we're going to know that adoption, we're going to know how he sees us, how he feels that today he's smiling at us, and, we, and it's only one attribute of God. David talked about God as deliverer. God, David talked about God as his, as his protector. What image do you have of God? In the, Sozo, in, in, in the Sozo ministry of inner healing, one of, the, one of the, the father ladder is this thing of how does God see you? But it's how, even in that, it's we have a perception of God many times based upon we have of our perception of our natural dad. And boy, in our culture has the, I mean, the fatherhood of initiative is what we're moving towards. There's a reason why we're reestablishing the fatherhood of God in us as dads. There's a reason why we're doing the book study on Thursday to get men understanding who they're supposed to be as we reflect on the image of God and the character of God. This is who we're supposed to be, and we're supposed to mirror that to our children. And we're going through a book because we are going to use a book to get a revelation and help to get a revelation of who the image of God is and what we are to rightly reflect as men. That's why we're doing the book study on Thursday night. Alger's leading that. Praise God. But what image do you have of God? Now, look at that beautiful image. You're to reflect the image of God. Now, I'm using this as a What do they call that? Object lesson. You teachers like object lessons. Okay, now look at that picture. Now look at this one. Which one's the real picture? That one. That's the real one. You notice how above here is light The sky is lighter on this one. The sky is down here. We are to, and here's what happens is, we as Christians, we really reflect a darker side of God than the lighter side of God. But we're to mirror him. Oops. We're to mirror the very image of God. 
who he is, the beauty of his holiness is to be reflected in our lives. What image do you think God is will determine how cloudy that bottom side is, how many ripples of unforgiveness and brokenness that makes the waves of your life move so the reflection of Christ can't be seen. When the water's in turmoil, when your water of your life is in turmoil, you don't reflect the image of Christ, do you? When there's waves and storms that are going on in your life, strongholds that are consuming us, unforgiveness, it muddies up the water. Can I have an amen? It stirs the water up so you cannot reflect the glory and the image of God. And so we're cleaning ourselves up. It's a year. God said, take the Bobby baby bottles out and use hand grenades. Give them hand grenades. We've got to clean our lives up. That prophetic word said, I want you to help clean people's lives up so that we can reflect the very glory and the beauty of our majesty. Unto him who sits on the throne. David knew something of the character of God. What image are you reflecting? Are you reflecting an angry God? Are you reflecting? What are you reflecting? Whoops. Are you reflecting an angry God, a judgmental God, a disappointed God? I have reflected a disappointed God many, many times. People think that they disappoint me because of what I've carried as I've seen the image of God and it's being corrected in my heart. Anybody, anybody gave that to their children? How about a rejecting God that reject, God rejects you, or even a soft God or a wimpy God? <laughs> what are you reflecting? Right now we're dealing with rejection. We reject other people because we see God as rejecting us. We reject others because we sense God is rejecting us. That's, that's his nature. I'm hoping in the next couple weeks we can change that. <laughs> As we begin to dive into the revelation of who God is and his nature and his character. Show me how you treat people and I will show you the image of God you have. Show me how you treat people and I'll show you the image you have of God. How are you treating people? Are people, are, you, are people sensing something of a distancing from you? Or are they drawn to you? Do you repel or do you receive? How you treat people. Read that. How are your relationships? Colossians 3.9 says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the revelation knowledge in the image of its creator. My mind is being renewed to his image. 
We know the passage out of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world and how they see God. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is the image of God in your mind that needs to be renewed? We got to take off the old self and its desires and how it sees God, and we have to put on the new self that's being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. David knew God's character because David was a man after God's heart. David wanted to know God's heart. Now, if you're going to know my heart, you're going to have to ask me a lot of questions. You're going to have to watch me as I relate to people. Is that not true? My heart has been accused of many things in 15 years of pastoral ministry, trust me. There's been many accusations of my heart, but you don't know my heart. What governs my heart has got to be that I want his heart. And that when I find out what his heart is, it better change my heart. But most Christians aren't finding what's on God's heart. David wanted to know God's heart. So when I'm in a relationship and I'm in a situation and things start to get tense, that what I'm reflecting is I'm going to God and I'm saying, God, how do you want me to represent your heart in this situation? Now, I've flunked some tests and I've passed some tests. But we have to go and say, God, what is your heart? Because my flesh wants to retaliate. My flesh wants to be mean. My flesh wants to make it about me. But yours says, I am supposed to make everybody else above me. Ooh. So I'm seeing the image of God that he puts other people first, so I have to lower my agenda and put other people first. That's reflecting the glory of God in his image. Do you see what I'm saying? But most Christians don't do that. They don't allow the word of God because they don't know the word of God and they don't know his image. So they just reflect the world. David wanted to know God's heart. Do you want to know God's heart? Ask the Holy Spirit. Is that really true? Do I really want to know God? Or do I want to just conform you to my image? See, I think we want to conform ourselves. We want to conform God to our image. We want to make him look like us. It's so much easier. Well, God must surely think like I do. <laughs> Not. <laughs> if he did, all of you would be toast. We would have given up on each other a long time ago. Do I have a witness? 
I mean, the divorce rate is 60% now. I mean, a lot of Christians are giving up. Because they don't understand the image of God. The character and the nature of God. So we're going to start on a journey of discovering the character and nature of God. But I am not going to do it by myself. I am not going to be the one digging in the Word to find out the character and nature of God. By goodness, you've got to do it with me. When the Word of God says God is love, I've got to get a revelation of love. What does that mean? Because there is a soft side of love, and there's also a harder side of love. Love is just not soft. Matter of fact, love corrects. Oh, well, that didn't feel very soft from you, Eric. Well, do you want a baby bottle or do you want a hand grenade? See, the baby bottle is, I'm putting it in your mouth. The hand grenade, I'm handing you a grenade for you to destroy the enemy on your behalf, and you're starting a war. So, for those who are willing to enlist in the army of God to discover the presence of God and the glory of God, why don't we stand up? If you want to engage in this process with me, you're going to make a commitment today, whether you do or don't. That's going to be your, your prerogative. Have you felt the presence of God on the message? Have you felt the conviction of God? The question and the homework, and if you want to email, email me this week on one of the characters of God that you're studying, then email me. I don't care. If you want to say, hey, the light bulb came on, man, and I really see this as the attribute of God, and this is his character, I want to know about it. Because I'm not doing it by myself. I'm going to bring a teaching next week about the character and nature of God, and we're going to start hitting a few of those character and natures of God. And you know what? To be honest with you, there's not enough messages that can contain the nature of God. I will not be able to explore the depth of how high and how wide and how deep and how long is the love of our God. Impossible. I'm going to hit some that God brings up to my heart that I think deals with kind of the rejection area. But God may be dealing with you in another area. Who will commit to digging in the word of God and beginning to ask and pray and meditate and seek God to find out the nature and his character, to understand his image and what we're to reflect. Is anybody here willing to do that? Okay. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see. You see the yeses and the amens. You see the I don't knows. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would challenge us to go deep, deep, deep. Everybody say deep. Deep, deep calls unto deep. That God, we commit to you right now by the, by the conviction of your spirit that God, we are saying yes as a congregation to understand the fullness of your glory, to understand you, to seek you for your heart. We want your heart. Let's say that together. We want your heart, God. Lord, we want your heart. And so, Father, I pray that you would lead us beside quiet waters this week. That you, God, would make green pastures.
for the sheep to eat of your word this week. As we, as a body, begin to discover you in your glory and your manifest presence, that we would be created, we are created in your image, and that we would begin to reflect your image so that this region might be transformed by the glory of your image. Father, be with us this week. Lead us, guide us, direct us, and may your presence be with us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Go and be blessed. We will see you Saturday. And if you need ministry, our altar ministry would be more than happy to minister to you. God bless you. I went over a little bit. <laughs>